Morning, everyone. Um, settle in. It's a really long one this morning. We're doing Mark 12, um, verses 35 to 37. <laughs> and as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. Thank you, Ella. I hope you're not too tired after that long read. <laughs> um, welcome, everyone. My name's Jared. I'm the pastor here, and it's my pleasure and privilege to preach God's Word this morning. When I first saw this passage, it's one that I've thought for a long time. I had no idea what I was going to do with that, um, but spent some time thinking and praying about it, and I hope you'll be encouraged as, as we work our way through it. Uh, please join me as we pray to begin. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you. You are good and glorious. You love us and you are so kind and gracious to us. Thank you for adopting us into your family in Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending your spirit. Work in our hearts today, we pray. Help us to understand how Jesus is the son of David and David's Lord and use that, Lord, to build us up in our faith in you and in our love for you and one another. And we pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, so, I have an illustration for you to begin with, and um, it has something, and I think it will be interesting to most people. So, who likes cricket? If you could put your hand up, uh, see how many people like cricket. Great. If you could put your hands down. Who likes online shopping? <laughs> yeah, okay, a few people. I was thinking we might cover the broad spectrum of people by having both of those things. This story involves both, and it's a true story. And it's from when I was like, I don't know, I probably would have been like 11 or 12, I started using this wonderful thing called eBay. And um, I really wanted a new cricket bat. And I can see my dad's already laughing because he knows where I'm going with this. Um, and so I, I, I found this amazing cricket bat. Um, it, was a, it was made of like grade one English willow. Now, if you know anything about cricket bats, you know that's the creme de la creme of cricket bats. Anyway, I found it. It was like, it was short handle, which is what I needed because uh, long handle was too big for me. Um, and so... It was, I was like, yeah, okay, this is the one. And it was an unbelievable price as well. It was just <laughs> astonishing. I was like, how, how on earth is this cricket bat that, that cheap? But, you know, ever the optimist that I am, <laughs> proceeded to order it and, and wait. And so, you know, I was waiting and waiting for this cricket bat. Eventually, the box arrived. And, and it was quite cruel because the box was quite big. Um, <laughs> when, <laughs> when I opened the box, <laughs> which was probably like this big, the cricket bat <laughs> was about this big. <laughs> and, uh, and I was, needless to say, I was very disappointed. I, I wanted a short handle cricket bat, but not that short. <laughs> uh, and so I had massively overestimated the size of this cricket bat, right? I thought it was way bigger than what it was. So if, if you just keep that in mind, because uh, that'll come up later, it's relevant to what we're, what we're going to be thinking about. But essentially, I'd had in my mind this idea of what this cricket bat would be like. It was going to be big, it was going to be great, it was going to be the best. And then it came and didn't fulfill those expectations. It, it, it was my, what I expected it to be was so much greater than what it actually was. Um, we ended up using it in, in backyard cricket and it was a bit of a laugh. Um, 
And I was, I was thinking about, I don't know where it is. Might be hidden in the abyss of my dad's shed somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe my shed. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, keep that in mind. Uh, today we're going to be looking at that uh, that section that Ella read for us, and it comes in in a in the context of a bigger section. So Jesus has been talking with the scribes, and these so these like high up religious people, high up political people, all these kind of well-to-do, highly regarded guys have been coming to Jesus. And they've been grilling him. They've just been like trying to catch him out in any way they think they can. And, um, and that's been happening a number of times. And then, uh, then there's, there's, so there's these, these kind of hostile questions towards Jesus. Every time he answers them and just like uh, all of their thoughts of how they were going to bring him down are just rejected. There's no way that they're going to be able to bring him down. Then we had a question where a guy asks a seemingly more genuine question. Uh, also a scribe, Jesus answers that perfectly. And at the end of that last section, uh, in verse 34, um, Jesus, um, uh, at the end, when he's answered that, um, it says at the end of that verse, and after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Uh, So we've left in this situation where the scribes have been peppering Jesus with questions. He's answered all of their questions. Uh, The conversation continues, but this time, instead of the scribes asking Jesus something, Jesus is going to be asking something about the scribes. So it's kind of turned on its head. Um, Jesus is asking the questions this time. Uh, The scribes are not. Uh, And so the question that Jesus asks is, how can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? Uh, So he's he's saying, how can they say that? He's not saying they can't say that. Uh, That's important. He's saying, how can they say that? Like, what's the basis for them saying saying that? this is happening in the temple, um, which, is a, which is a very significant uh, part of um, where, where God in the Old Testament was specially present with his people. God's everywhere, uh, you know, he's infinite, but he was specially present with his people in the temple. And so the temple uh, also has links to the son of David. Uh, so the God in the Old Testament promised uh, to David that he would build his house, and he, and he said that uh, David's son would build his house, so David's son would build God's house. Solomon did that. It got destroyed, then it got rebuilt. Um, but nevertheless, there's this link to the David's line, uh, and and David was a big king in the Old Testament. And so uh, Jesus is there teaching at this location, which is significant to uh, to to David David's line. And so Jesus is asking, how can these scribes, these well-to-do religious people, uh, say that the Christ the Christ is the promised king. God's been promising a king. How can they say that that promised king is the son of David? Um, and initially, when we read that question, that might make us feel uncomfortable because we, we know that the promised king is the son of David. And so we're thinking, okay, well, what's he saying here? Jesus is not saying he's not the son of David. He's saying, how? How can the scribes say that? Uh, so as we continue on in the passage, Jesus says, David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. And he says, David himself calls him Lord. So how is he his son? So Jesus is again asking this question about how, 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 is it, how does it fit for David's son to also be his Lord? And so how can the scribes say that the, the promised king is the son of David? Their answer would presumably be, because of the Old Testament, because of what God has said in the Bible. Uh, a key passage would be something like 2 Samuel 7, where God 
clearly says that that the, the the promised king is going to be the son of David. So so it's not that the scribes are wrong about that. They've actually got that right. Um, and occasionally we see this. You know, these guys spent all day, every day, kind of hanging out in the scriptures. Um, and so they've got some things right. They just often miss the point. And that's what we're dealing with here. So they 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 understood that the that the Christ would be the son of David. That's right. Um, but the basis for them saying that must be because that's what God said in the scriptures. And so then if, if you're tracking with me, if you, if you agree with that, then you also have to take everything else that God says about the Christ. You can't just pick and choose and say, well, we're going to agree that he's the son of David, but when it comes to other things, oh, you know, not, not, not so sure. No, if, if, if the basis upon which we accept that the promised king is in David's line, is the scriptures, then we need to accept everything that the scriptures teach about who this promised king would be. I'll give you an example. Uh, so imagine if you had a budget, and um, uh, I don't have a budget. Um, I'll just try and allocate my money generally. But if you, if you have a budget, um, and let's say that you spend, I don't know, $100 on groceries a week, um, and that's, that's your allocation. Maybe, 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 maybe you're very hungry. Two, $200 on groceries a week. Let's, let's, let, yeah, inflation, yeah. Uh, let's go with 200. All right. And then let's say, let's say that you have a budget for coffee where you're like, I'm going to buy one coffee a week, which are now, I mean, I don't know how much that would cost you now, probably like six, seven dollars, something like that. Let's say you've got your coffee budget is seven dollars and you're going to get one coffee a week and you're going to get your two hundred dollars worth of groceries. Okay. Now, Let's say you're really, really strict on the $200 worth of groceries. Like you're, you get to the counter, they scan everything, it comes to $200.05 and, $200 and you're like, no, nah, I'm taking, taking whatever else it was back. And you're like, no, this cannot go over 200. Like I will not let that happen. But you drive past the cafe every morning and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a coffee. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna splurge. I'm gonna spoil myself. I deserve this. Uh, and so, and so that seven dollars becomes fourteen, and twenty-one, and twenty-eight, and thirty-five, and forty-two, and forty-nine. And let's leave it there. <laughs> and so, you end up blowing the budget on coffee every week. But you're super, super strict about keeping it to the two hundred for groceries. It's like that doesn't make any sense, does it? It's completely inconsistent. Like to say that I'm gonna treat it this way in this regard, but I'm going to treat it completely differently in another area. That's exactly what the scribes were doing with the Bible. They were going, look, well, on this, in, this, in these particulars, absolutely, has to be exactly what da 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 But then when you go to the other areas, oh, you know, really? I'm not sure. So, so, so they, they had this inconsistent view of the scriptures. Um, they, would, they would maybe be like certain parts, yes, certain parts, no, um, and it essentially has to do with where you put yourself in relation to the Bible. Uh, they put themselves up here and they put the Bible down here. Uh, whereas it should be the Bible up here and us down here. Like who, who, who's calling the shots? Is it us determining what, what, what's right and what's wrong in the Bible? Or is it the Bible determining what's right and wrong in us? And, and we got to get that the right way around. So like, for instance, I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. Um, so if I say the wrong thing, don't go with what I say, go with what the Bible says. Yeah, because we, we hold the scriptures above us. And so we, we sit under God's word and we, we, we're, uh, we, it shines a light into us and shows what's right and wrong in us and then enables us to repent and come to Jesus. So uh, I want us to just think about that for a second because the scribes have this pretty blatantly obvious inconsistent view of the way they use the Bible. 
Um, and I want us to think about for us, are there, are there ways in which we do that? Do we, do we kind of treat the Bible as like, yeah, we take certain parts literally, but other parts not so literally? I'll give you an example. The Bible is very clear that greed is a sin. Um, and the other day, as I was like uh, going to sleep, uh, I was thinking about this Xbox that, that I was like, oh yeah, you know, I already have an Xbox, just to put that out there. Um, and, and so I was thinking about this new Xbox and I was thinking, yeah, man, that would be really good, really good. Um, maybe I should spend my money on that. I woke up and I was still thinking about this Xbox and I was like, Jared, what are you doing? Like you're, you're, you're focusing on the wrong things. And, and so I think like it's obvious to me various other sins, like I know like lying is wrong or swearing or something like that. Um, but do we let other things that we kind of aren't really paying attention to, like greed, creep in to our hearts? We've got to, we've got to apply the same kind of... Uh, 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 I, I hold the Bible in the highest regard across the board, not just, not just go, well, I like the, the bits about not lying, but greed, I'm going to stay greedy. No, <laughs> we, need to, we need to open, open our hearts and, and, and let the Scriptures shine the light on us and, and, and then repent of the sin that we see in our hearts. So uh, think about that. The scribes had an inconsistent view of Scripture. We can have an inconsistent view of Scripture. We need to repent of that and uh, confess it to God and trust Jesus to save us. The scribes also had too small a view of Christ. So basically the opposite of my cricket bat illustration. They, they, they were expecting some, someone small, someone that they could fit in a box, someone who was, who was less kind of, they would be like, yeah, you know, son of David, sure, but like, Lord, uh, not so sure about that. They, they wanted someone they could contain uh, the scribes were after a Christ, a promised king, who would fit in with them rather than them having to fit in with him. They were after a kind of king who would go along with what they said rather than them needing to go along with what he said. They wanted a king that they could fit into their way of living and their sort of, with them still being the authority figures, as opposed to a king who does what a king does, which is rule as the authority. Uh, and so we have this situation where the scribes had this view that Christ is, they, their, their view of, of Christ was too small. Uh, in, the, in the cricket bat illustration, my view of the bat was too big, right? I, I, thought, I thought the bat was going to be bigger than it ended up being. Um, with Christ, they, they had too small a view of him. He's far exceeds uh, en- anyone's expectations ever. Um, we, and, and I was thinking about this, I was thinking, we actually can't, uh, overestimate Jesus. Jesus is, he goes beyond our, our, our comprehension. I, I'm trying to remember, if, I'm trying to work out if I've got that the right way around. But basically, Jesus is bigger than we could ever possibly uh, uh, understand or, or, um, or think. So, he, he goes beyond our capacity of what we can actually think and imagine and see. So, he will always exceed our expectations. So, we need to look at ourselves and, and ask do we have that same problem where we underestimate Jesus, where we think, oh, Jesus is, is, is he isn't as loving as, as, he, as he says he is. Or maybe he, he, isn't, he isn't as good as he says he is, or he isn't as great or as powerful as he says he is. Because that's the kind of thing that the scribes are doing. You see, they, they, they had this, this idea, yes, that the Christ would be the son of David. You know, yeah, it's clear as daylight in the Scriptures that the, the son of David would rule forever as king. But the idea that this Christ would be David's Lord 
seemed a bit much to them. The idea that this, this, this person who would come in the line of David would not only be in the line of David, but rule over everything. That, that, that's a big claim. That's an enormous claim. And one that made them, and I think it can make us uncomfortable too, the idea that someone else is going to be in control, that someone else is going to be ruling. And so uh, this, this verse that, that Jesus quotes, um, in which David says, the Lord said to my Lord, that's uh, Yahweh, God's personal name, said to my Lord Adonai, my Lord, my master, my ruler, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. And so we have this amazing description um, of what David is saying in the spirit, that the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies uh, a footstool under your feet. And so what we have is God himself, God the Father, saying to God the Son, I, I, I am going to, to, to rule over everything and, and, and sit at my right hand and I will put all of your enemies under your feet. And David is calling Jesus, uh, the Christ, to come his Lord. He's calling him Lord. He's, he's not just saying, my descendant. He's saying, no, my Lord. This, this one, this promised king uh, is not only a descendant of David, but also his Lord. And the scribes scratched their heads. They couldn't really make sense of that. They didn't really understand how those two things fit together. Um, and they, they probably didn't want those two things to fit together either. Um, but when we look at it, it makes sense. And it only makes sense in one person. There's only one person in all of history this, this makes sense in, and that's Jesus. Uh, Jesus, who is, uh, according to the flesh, descended from David. If you're interested, have a look at his genealogy. Uh, does anyone know the name of their great-great-grandparents? I'll be impressed if you do. I don't. Um, of yours or mine. <laughs> and, um, and, but yet, with Jesus, there's a massive genealogy that tracks all the way back uh, that shows how he's descended from, from David and even further back than that. Um, so Jesus really was in the line of David. Um, that was crucial as, as, as the promised king would be in his line. Also, Jesus is David's Lord and he's our Lord too. The way that he interacts with the creation, for instance, is not as someone who's kind of like hoping to try and get things to do what he, what he wants. No, no, he... He stands uh, and tells a storm to be quiet, and it is. He, he, he commands demons to just leave people by just saying that, and they, they do. Uh, he, just, he just has this, this amazing power over this world that only makes sense uh, for, for, for God himself to have. And so we have Jesus, who is both the descendant of David and the Lord of David, and our Lord too. And so we need to ask ourselves, where do we have too small a view of Christ? Because the reality is we're all going to have too small a view of Christ until we get to glory, where we'll be with him forever. It's just a matter of working out where those, those, those sections, blind spots are. And that we'll keep finding more. That when we, when we see one um, and we recognize, oh, I had too small a view of Jesus' love. You know, I thought he couldn't love me, for example. Um, but then, then you see, no, he, he is bigger than that. He loves the unlovely. That's what he's like. And that's who he is. And so then, yeah, you, 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 that blind spot goes away and then you find another one. Um, maybe you think, I didn't, I didn't see, I had too small a view of Jesus' power. 
I didn't think he was able to save someone as wretched as me, or I didn't think he was able to, to, um, to, to, to give us life forever with him. All of these kind of things uh, reveal areas of our lives, which God does by his spirit, to show where we have too small a view of Jesus. And so each step of every day, we're, we're, we're growing. And as we do that in Christ, we get to see a more bigger and bigger and bigger and more correct view of who Jesus is. Seeing the king as he really is, the reigning one, the ruling one, the supreme one. That's who Jesus is. He's the king and he loves us. And so when, when we uh, reach eternity, we'll see him as he is. We'll see him face to face. And then we won't have too small a view of Jesus because the, the scales will have fallen off from our eyes. We'll see him face to face. And that's going to be awesome. Like we're getting a glimpse of who he is now as we reflect on, on his love, on his grace, on his compassion, on his rule. Um, but we long for and look forward to that day where we will see him face to face. Yeah, I, a lot of people are on their phones a lot now. And so we don't look at people in the eye all that much. But we're going to look Jesus in the eye. And that's an awesome thing to look forward to and await. And uh, as, we, as we walk, uh, we'll get, we're going to see more of those areas where we've had too small a view of Jesus. But when we, when we see those areas, we just need to come to him and to confess it to him and, and, and turn to him and trust him. Because Jesus is gracious and he's kind and he's compassionate and he, and he forgives us. We, 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 uh, we often don't recognize him for who he is. We don't give him the glory that he deserves but he's gracious and kind to forgive us our sins when we confess them to him. And so Jesus went to that cross and that's how he has rule over all of the enemies. Uh, You notice there that David in the spirit says that the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Jesus on the cross and in his resurrection he dies, exposing all of the enemies, um, all, of, all of sin, all evil, death, for what it is. Uh, and, and he takes the judgment we deserve on the cross, uh, giving us life in him. And then he rises again, meaning that, that we too, uh, if we're united to him, are guaranteed life like that. Life that death can't contain. You see, Jesus really died, but he really came back to life. And he's offering that life to us. Death is not the ultimate ruler of everything. Death is, is a reality um, that we, we, we are seeing and, and it sadly have to experience and endure and grieve as we live in a fallen world. But Jesus rules over death. He has triumphed over it. He's defeated it. And so we, we see here uh, that he is the Lord who rules over all of the enemies. And we look forward to that day where we'll be with him face to face. So as we reflect on this passage, we need to ask ourselves, and these would be good questions to talk about with one another afterwards as well. Where do I have an inconsistent view of, of the scriptures? Where, where am I putting myself above God's word as opposed to putting myself underneath God's word? Um, and then also thinking about where is my view of Christ too small? Where have I not seen how amazing Jesus is and settled for a lower version uh, a lesser version of who he really, not, not actually acknowledging who he really is. And then as we acknowledge those things, we confess them to him. We trust that Jesus paid for them on the cross 
and we rejoice that we will one day see him as he is. Will you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, we come to you in confession uh, that we have sinned against you, that we have not uh, loved you as we ought to. Uh, we haven't looked at you as we ought to. We've, we've thought of, uh, uh, too lowly of you. Uh, we, we haven't seen uh, your, your love and your power and your grace as we ought to. And we haven't given you the glory that you deserve, Lord. And for all of this, we confess and we are sorry, Lord. We ask for your mercy and we ask for your forgiveness. Lord, thank you uh, that, that in your great love, you welcome uh, sinners like us into your, into your family. So, Lord, forgive us for when we've had uh, inconsistent views of the Bible. Help us to always sit under your word, uh, not, not to sit above it. And help us, Lord, uh, to have a massive view of who you are. And help us, Lord, to keep seeing areas where we haven't seen uh, highly enough of you and to repent of those areas and trust you and long for and look forward to seeing you face to face, eye to eye. We praise you, Jesus. You are glorious. You are good. And we trust you in your name. Amen.